0: Hello, this is Deepa Anand and today we'll be mapping sleep on the 15-minute matrix.
1: Welcome to the 15 Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The Matrix is so important, not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations and our outcomes. Everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. And for today's episode, I highly recommend you do that. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Deepa Kanan. Deepa is a functional nutritionist, author, and a yogini at Phytothrive. Having a son with a rare adrenal disorder gave her insight into the working of the adrenals. Her articles have been shared by Dr. Mark Hyman. She's given the opening speech on health hacks at Amazon Web Services and Your Story Health Tech 2019 to heads of healthcare startups in India. She's in the Your Story 100 Digital Influencers of 2020, and she is the host of the Sleep Whisperer podcast. Her book on sleep with HarperCollins releases in 2022. Plus, I'm proud to say that Deepa is a graduate of Full Body Systems and our Certified Functional Nutrition and Lifestyle Practitioner Program, among her many other accolades and accomplishments. Deepa, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm so pleased to have this time with you. I'm thrilled to be here, Andrea, and of course, it has personal meaning to me.
0: So I can't wait to dive in.
1: Yeah, me too. I can't wait to dive in as well. And Deepa, you have such an interesting take on sleep. And like we said, I can't wait to explore that with you. But can you just start us off by talking into why you focus on sleep and why it's so important for overall health outcomes? There's so much about sleep, Andrea. And one
0: of the things that got me fascinated after I started practicing was to wonder why that In the functional space itself, there's so much focus on sleep, but not everyone was looking at sleep itself as something bio-individual, with everyone having different reasons for poor sleep. And then, of course, there were people who were doing everything right, the perfect diet, the greatest supplements, a great exercise regime, and they were just not getting better. And I found that they were ignoring their sleep. And of course, I personally struggled with decades of poor sleep, impacted by everything from trauma to nutrient deficiencies to being a stressed out mother. So I truly understood how much it takes to have great sleep. So I really wanted to bring attention to the bio-individuality of sleep because I believe sleep is bio-individual and also bi-directional. And what I mean by that is, of course, it's bioindividual that every person has a different combination of root causes for poor sleep, but it's biodirectional with several of its root causes, which then of course become the repercussions as well of poor sleep. And I think a lot of practitioners in the sleep space don't bring any attention to physiological reasons for poor sleep. So I really wanted to focus on that
1: Deepa, it's so important what you're talking about. I love how you're speaking into the bio-individuality and the bi-directional components. And I have to admit that when I talk about the non-negotiable trifecta, the sleep, the poop, and the blood sugar balance, I often feel guilty, like we're saying sleep, like it's a command. And we're not taking that opportunity, like you're saying, to look at what each individual's root causes are. Where do we even start? I know that in our world, we start with an assessment so we can at least ask the questions, what's happening, but where do you start in really understanding and uncovering the root causes?
0: Oh, Andrea, I think it's very much like how we would all practice, but it's just that the lens needs to be sleep. So I always begin with a very detailed assessment for why someone is not sleeping well, I have developed certain frameworks to look at how the combination of root causes might vary person to person. And then of course, we need to map them through a matrix, which is why your podcast is so great, because we get to actually talk about that sleep matrix. And then of course, I think that even diet needs to be tailored to individuality because in this sleep space, you usually hear about this food being perfect for sleep due to tryptophan. And it's not as simple as that. And we'll go into a lot of this later, I know. But I really think we need to respect the individual because everyone who's not sleeping is very unique and they deserve to be honored for their uniqueness.
1: Yeah, a thousand percent. So when we're looking at the matrix, I know you've created a matrix that we will share with all the listeners. It will be available at 15minutematrix.com with this episode. We usually provide a matrix, but we love when our guests complete their matrices. And Deepa, you create such beautiful matrices. So should we start with the story? Should we just really look at what the antecedents are that could be contributors to sleep challenges? Great, Andrea, and I
0: think we definitely have to do rapid fire through this matrix. Yes. (laughs) So much in this, so I'm just going to go as fast as I can. And yes, in terms of the antecedents, one thing that I discovered, because of course I had so many sleep issues and I found that no matter what I did, I was struggling. So in the research for my book, I discovered a link between some genetics and sleep. And the biggest thing I discovered was with COMT. So COMT is this gene that plays a role in the metabolism of catecholamines, estrogen, and neurotransmitters. And there were several research pointing towards how genetic variations in this gene can leave you with problems metabolizing catecholamines, which means you'd constantly be in a state of fight or flight. And Andrea, what's really fascinating here is that, and I've also asked a lot of people this, that it's not just negative news that can put you into the spiral of fight or flight, if you have exciting news as well, you could lose sleep, it's going to trigger this release of catecholamine. So it's not just that it has to be bad news, it can also be exciting news, which is why a lot of people with sleep issues might need to turn off their phone completely and avoid all stimulus from outside. And of course, there's several other antecedents. One of the biggest things which can be an antecedent, a trigger, a mediator, is magnesium deficiency, which you probably know that so many people struggle with, but that can itself become a predisposing factor because it also impacts detoxification and it plays such a key role in our ability to stay calm. And it can also be a reason for restless leg, which is a big reason why people don't sleep and even sleep practitioners talk about restless legs, but they're not looking at nutrient deficiencies or food relations, which can lead to those challenges. And we must Mm -hmm. talk about a sedentary lifestyle as well, because that is a big predisposing factor because stagnation in the lymphatic system has so many links to poor sleep and people who are habitual mouth breathers and we don't know this we can ask the person sleeping next to us to just watch us sometimes if you are sleeping with our mouth open but it's more common than not and if you're constantly mouth breathing then you're just sympathetic dominant and in that fight or flight state and I'm sure your listeners know what happens in the fight or flight state where then your heart rate is high and your temperature goes up and all the other physiological effects. And of course, Andrea, high homocysteine is a big, big predisposing factor. And no one is looking at that. What's fascinating is that you'll see medical doctors asking for a lot of lab work at least in India, and there's no one asking for homocysteine. Hmm, Interesting. And of course, that leads to several other issues as well. And then the unique factor that I came across was macular degeneration impacts circadian rhythm, which Mm. means that if you've got aging eyes or if you've just got inflammation in the eyes that's leading to macular degeneration, it actually decreases your receptivity to circadian impact. So a 10-year-old child has 10 times greater receptivity to circadian impact as compared to someone older. So if we've got trouble with our eyes, we're going to have trouble with our circadian rhythm. And this is also, there's possibly a link as well to those who've had corrective eye surgery. And so there's so many antecedents there.
1: Yes. Fascinating. Fascinating. And you mentioned some of those are also like the macular degeneration, like the magnesium deficiency, potentially even like the high homocysteine. Those also can be triggers that are happening for a different reason that then are also impacting sleep cycles and sleep quality. Anything else in the triggering area you kind of mentioned for yourself? Some of your trauma also have being an impact there. Of course, Andrea,
0: trauma, abuse, adverse childhood experiences, they all alter the HP axis, so we can't move into that parasympathetic state. But also, if you have a situation where you might be a caregiver for someone and you're supporting them through the night, then that's a trigger as well because you're always on high alert. And gut health is also, can be a trigger and a mediator. There's so many aspects to that as well. And because melatonin levels in the GI tract are so much higher than in blood levels, and we can talk about that when we come to the soup. And of course, if someone is having high sugar diets, but I must mention histamine spikes before we move away from our triggers, because... If you have histamine intolerance and you have a spike in histamine at any point in time, it plays a huge role in sleep. The mast cells actually play a role in circadian rhythm and their histamine receptors in our brain. So it's going to affect serotonin, dopamine, GABA and histamine also reaches its in the middle of the night or very early in the morning so you'll find people who've got issues with histamine talking about poor sleep but no one links histamine to sleep when they're looking at sleep specifically.
1: I really love how you're looking at this because we can see how different imbalances in the body and the history all the way to the genetics and the digestive system impact our sleep. But then also we can start to see how imbalances in sleep become an upstream issue for other downstream effects. So let's move into that soup and in that rapid fire ticking us around, what are some of the biggest things that you saw in looking at the central part of the matrix that we haven't yet discussed?
0: Well, Andrea, I think in the GI status, there's so many things which are bi-directional with sleep and
1: nighttime
0: heartburn is something that sleep practitioners speak about. But then, of course, we're not going into physiological reasons, but uh, heartburn is definitely a big reason for sleep disruption. And of course, we need to have low levels of inflammation in the gut overall because there's so much link between melatonin, production, serotonin production, and leaky gut, as you know, is also linked to elevated cortisol levels, but an unhealthy microbiome, it impacts serotonin production, and then therefore you can't sleep, and pathogenic bacteria in the gut, and there are several species, can overpopulate, causing insomnia. And GABA is also required for sleep and it's also produced in the gut. And of course, if someone is constipated, that can point towards further liver challenges and then estrogen dominance and further elevation in cortisol. So there's so much going on in terms of the, I think we could do a whole podcast on the just that one petal of digestion.
1: Right. Just that bidirectional piece, how the digestion is affecting sleep and how sleep's then impacting digestion. Yes. If we look at the
0: immune activity, again, that's a big bidirectional area. And pain, of course, is a big reason. It's linked to sleep. Pain impacts sleep. Sleeplessness increases pain. But what's interesting, Andrea, is that Pain regulation areas in the brain also regulate sleep. So any form of inflammation and pain can prevent sleep. And I want to quickly go into vitamin D because it's so important to talk about vitamin D. And we know that deficiency is associated with increased risk for sleep disorders, poor sleep quality, short sleep duration, so much more, but the reason that is linked, I must tell you, is that I found this in a research by Dr. Stasha Gomenak, who said that vitamin D actually impacts B vitamin production in the gut microbiome. And B5 in particular is paired with how, when you use too much of B5 and you have a deficiency of B5, it reduces. Acetylcholine and acetylcholine is what is required by the parasympathetic nervous system, which means if you've got vitamin D deficiency, you can't actually move into a state of rest and relaxation. You'll be in that state of fight or flight.
1: Such good connections. I'm going to remind everybody to get the full matrix that you created at 15minutematrix.com so that we can move over to the skills or the right side of the matrix and start to talk into some of how we start to address these imbalances and invite better sleep, even in a bio-individual terrain. So of course, we'd be addressing each of these imbalances for each individual as they come up. But are there any things that we can all do that invite better sleep? Absolutely, Andrea. I think this is where we really need to bring a
0: feeling of empowerment to ourselves. And I think the first thing that everyone struggling with sleep should realize is that there is so much that you can do. And when it comes to relaxation, it's a powerful skill that is there in your hand. And if you struggle to relax, there's so many guided relaxation that are targeted at your subconscious level. And it can be transformative to shift to that parasympathetic state. But Nothing helps as much as nasal breathing to help you relax and slow down your heart rate and support better sleep. And there's so much we can do with breath work and guided breath work. Feeling grounded, just lying on the ground in shavasana can help you feel more rooted. Even if you've been through trauma And of course, if you look into the space of yoga, meditation and breath work, really we've got several tools to help us with Mm -hmm. our sleep. But when it comes to exercise, there's really a very magical space where we don't want no exercise, but neither do we want excessive training if someone is struggling with poor sleep. And because, of course, when you're overtraining, then you push yourself into an adrenal hyper alert mode, which prevents sleep. But exercise is important. So looking at anything which is gentle, which can be long walks, doing some slow yoga, swimming, anything which helps you to just move the body. Exercise initially increases core body temperature, but later it drops. So therefore, it's going to help you fall asleep. But timing is very key because it does help if you can factor in exercise at the start of the day. But if you can't and you're doing it in the evening, try to avoid it too close to bedtime. And if you're exercising in the evening, try to also keep it more gentle. And when it comes to nutrition, Andrea, the one thing I will say which can really be transformative is that the magical sleep plate begins at breakfast. And a lot of sleep practitioners speak about ingredients at dinner, but the very first meal of the day already decides the hormonal and blood sugar cascade the whole day, which only culminates in the right physiology required by our body at night to help us fall asleep. So we need to begin at breakfast and we need ample protein to stabilize blood sugar. A lot of people may not get as much, so it's important to look at getting adequate protein plenty of fiber from cruciferous vegetables and leafy greens to really support liver function and detoxification and please trying to keep the hydration through the day as a conscious effort where you don't end up dehydrated in the evening drinking water and upsetting sleep due to the need to empty the bladder. And then when it comes to stress and improving our resilience, we might not be able to reduce our stress, but we can absolutely add anything that helps us to improve our resilience. And I'll tell you three magical things, Andrea. One is massage because it increases oxytocin and lowers cortisol. It also, if it's combined with an oil massage, then it lowers core body temperature And the second would be weighted blankets, which have found to improve sleep quality because it alters tactile inputs. And for someone who has high cortisol, it gives a feeling of reassurance. And of course, practitioners can take a deeper look at weighted blankets. And the third is nasal breathing, which is really very critical to raising our own resilience to stress And of course, if we come to relationships, it's critical to just be aware if you are in any traumatic relationship and accepting that. But then also exploring some form of connection outside that can restore balance because oftentimes they don't bring enough mindful attention to creating nurturing spaces outside of that where they can feel well supported.
1: Mm, Deepa, I'm sitting here with a big smile on my face because I'm like, bam, that's what it's like to think through a matrix. Like your brain is connecting all those dots and being able to see through the entire matrix in a three-dimensional fashion. And you just walked us through beautifully. Again, as you said, rapid fire and just touching the surface. I can't wait to see the matrix you created. And More so, I can't wait to read your book, Deepa. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. It's a pleasure to be here, Andrea. The 15 Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15 Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.